Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. anybody's question but yours you're an idiot and really a disloyal person hello everyone and welcome to the this disloyal idiots podcast a syracuse orange nation podcast on the fans for sports network christian guzman here alongside andy pregler for once steve actually isn't here and somehow we can actually run this broadcast um so Hopefully this goes well. <laughs> just yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? We're not going to burn down the internet or anything. That would be a feat that would be very, very impressive. It would be, but honestly, like at this point, like, you know, we'll just, we're just going to rebrand this podcast to the X Orange podcast. That's all. I mean, God, if there even is a orange <laughs> within the next, I don't know, 10 years. I just don't want to learn another social media. Like I'm old, I'm annoying. I don't want to learn a new. I don't want to learn a new one. Like that just seems like so much effort. I mean, that's why I really slowly started getting into TikTok this year, because like I did, like you said, I didn't want to. I already had Twitter, already Instagram. Don't want to put in the extra effort of trying to figure out the TikTok algorithm. It's just, it's just too much. There's just too much happening, and I don't like it. And I'm old. And the world is changing, and it makes me scared. Uh, you know what is not changing, Christian? The fact that the basketball tournament is being played, and it is a thing that is happening. Um, I say it in that manner because I feel like it's pretty obvious that as a Syracuse fan base – if you this started off as something that encapsulated i would say the basketball hardcore section of the fan base then spread to the general fan base and has now somehow come back around to only being the hardcore basketball section of the fan base caring about this event which is a very weird 
thing to happen, but is not uncommon with fandoms. But I, it does feel like every year that we do this, there are people who care about this, but the number is dramatically dropping. Well, then also you're getting to the fact that there are less recognizable names on this team now. Like there's no longer an Eric Dievendorf that like most people can attach to. And due to the fact that at the height of its popularity, it was 2020, 2021, and people were looking for anything to watch on TV because of COVID. And other than the MLB regular season, that was like the first big major sports thing to like really return to a somewhat full capacity in terms of you know fans and attendance and a sporting event that were like a grand spectacle so that it was good that becomes army won during that time but that was the height of its popularity and like you said now it's just the really really hardcore fans i think that are really interested in what's happening at occ in a few days time uh, it's not at OCC this year. Oh, right. It isn't. They upgraded. It is. Yes, it is at the On Center, I do believe. It indeed um, is. Or whatever the uh, the, the thing is called. <laughs> whatever days. sponsor I, they have for it now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is, it, it is interesting to see. Um, I mean... Uh, the the hardest thing that I can that I can say about this is that we kind of we we got into a point where we know enough about this tournament to say we know nothing about this tournament. It was different when we were dealing well, like because I think the reality is is that we were in a position where um, the team was a bunch of recent grads who we had very recently seen seen perform and now that's not necessarily the case um that being said uh that's that's real like you you kind of mentioned it there's not a whole lot of the same players i think the biggest one is that um uh chris mccullough is going to be playing for uh tbt and I think one of the more interesting things about that is that McCullough is a player who we never really saw on the court. And now we're going to see him play more orange basketball games for Bayheim's army than we've seen him play uh, in a Syracuse jersey. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure like most average Syracuse fans couldn't tell you who Chris McCullough was, even though he was a very hyped prospect coming into his time in Syracuse and then blew out his ACL halfway through the season and left for the NBA. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think one of the more interesting things that's also happening on this team is that um, Malachi Richardson has been a late addition to the roster. Um, He's somebody who we haven't really seen play. Like he was getting a a nice look at in um, the G league and ha- never really made the jump. Uh, Tyus Battle was playing in China. Uh, according to a Donna Totota article published today, uh, he was playing in China as recently as Monday <laughs> and uh, is not going to be available for Beheim Ar- Beheim's Army's opener, um, but will be available if they are able to play, um, if they win and they play a second game, 
which on the one hand, great, glad he's available. On the other hand, I can't imagine him coming in and having that large of an impact when the team has normally um, been pretty light on squad rotation. Um, but the rest of the uh, the roster that we're looking at is uh, Richardson, Battle, if the Orange win, uh, Chris McCullough, Pascal Chukwu, Raheem Christmas, Jimmy Beheim, Andrew White, BJ Johnson, Matt Morgan, DeAndre Kane, Jamil Wilson, Grant Riller, and Dwight Bucks Jr. Uh, we know Kane is probably going to start. I would bet that Willis, that Wilson, Ryler, and Bucks are all going to get minutes. I don't know if they'll start. McCullough was, as uh, tweeted out by Donna, is going to be starting uh, for the Orange. And I would imagine the person that Orange fans are probably most excited to see is Rakeem. Um, but yeah. I honestly haven't kept up on his overseas career. Um, Battle is the one that I, I'd be most interested to see what his game has developed into uh, while playing overseas and feels like somebody who would do well in a TBT setting. And, you, and you'd feel like the main scoring would come from Battle and Kane, um, essentially. that Those are going to be our main guys who prototypically in this day and age of basketball seem like the guys who could play more isolation ball like Battle did during his time at Syracuse. He was an ISO guard. Unfortunately, they, uh, Donna did also uh, tweet out that Matt Morgan won't be available, unfortunately, um, because after an, a great year in the French League, he's getting looks at other leagues and getting some um, decent money, apparently, to play for them. So rather not risk it during this tournament, which is understandable. Um, she also did actually tweet out um, in an article today, I think, um, that uh, Sean Belby, uh, the Bayham's Army GM, said that Amalka actually will likely not play. Um, so we will, but we'll see how that works out as well, because that's also a guy, even though, like you said, Andy, rotation has been light-ish in TBT, it's, it's a scoring option that could have been useful off the bench. But without that, your main isolation two three uh, scoring in that position is down to Battle and Kane, and Kane's probably going to have to carry the brunt of that, at least in the first game, and then hopefully get something from a Jimmy Beheim, from a Raheem Christmas, from a from Tyler Robinson. Like that's it, it's it's tough because this seems like it's a in terms of the Syracuse no names. It's a front court heavy uh, team. You can even throw BJ Johnson in there as well. He's more of a front court guy instead of the um, instead of like the typical uh, smaller two three scorer. Even though he later became a more prominent scorer at LaSalle when he transferred from Syracuse. So it will be interesting to see how the scoring dynamic of this team works out. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I don't know if Beheim's army is going to like make a run with the team that they have, but it's also so much of it is going to depend on the opposition that we just that we just don't know very well. Um, I think as we've seen in this tournament, it's about certain players getting hot. You know, Beheim's army has benefited that whether it's been an Eric Devendorf, whether it's been a DeAndre Kane whether it's been an Andrew White, um, there's there's been lots of players who we came into this tournament and produ- mostly overlooked. Um, and a lot of it just comes into which guys 
are in competitive shape because I do think one of the positives of this tournament is that the format and the money that is on the line has players going at 110%. Um, there's not a whole lot of players holding back in their game um, because for most of them, this is the last chance at a payday on U.S. soil um, unless you know they something crazy happens. So I, th I think that we are in a position where I, I like the roster. I don't love the roster. Um, I think that we're seeing it's funny we talk about Syracuse's recruiting struggles but I think like this is another thing that happens when the when the recruiting just isn't there is that the alumni pool that you could pull from is, is just not going to be as strong um and I think that we saw in those early years of Bayheim's army that the players that were coming back were still incredibly good um and and had a lot of had a lot of talent and had um, you know, you have somebody like Devendorf, who's kind of that glue guy who's willing to do a little bit of whatever is necessary. Um, but the rest of the team is pretty filled out. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with it. Uh, again, I don't think we're really all going in with that many expectations. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Bayheim's army performs given, given the new, um, you know, the new mix of, of players that are in and out. Um, but Continuing to talk about basketball, there was a piece of basketball news that broke this week. Um, the Orange added what I can only imagine is one of their last non-conference basketball games for the season. Uh, Syracuse will be going to Washington, D.C. on December the 9th to play Georgetown. Um, this game was expected, but not guaranteed. And so the 99th meeting between Georgetown and Syracuse will take place this year in December. Um, Christian, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts. Uh, I personally, I like this game, not just because it's Syracuse Georgetown, but based off of how we're looking at the non-conference schedule so far, I actually think the Georgetown game is probably good for this team in playing a less talented but still highly competitive game, um, considering how stacked so much of the non-conference schedule looks right now. Well, hopefully it's a competitive game in terms of, like, actually it's, like, good teams instead of, you know, what's happened the last couple of years, which is Georgetown really being really bad and somehow giving Syracuse a whole load of trouble, which is just not ideal. That that's I gonna mean, be the I mean, that's well, gonna be the trap. I mean, well, it's a hundred percent a trap game, but it's like one that you can circle because Ed, like the the the, the storylines around this game are, are going to write themselves because um, the last time that these two teams played, it was Jim Beheim versus Patrick Ewing, and and now this time it's Ed Cooley versus Adrian Autry. Uh, who are two players that, if you don't remember, went against each other uh, back in the heyday of the Big East, um, Autry at Syracuse, Cooley at Providence. And it, it feels like both guys are trying to do the same thing at their respective schools, where the way things were going were not good. 
And both coaches are coming in with a very new school approach to these old school basketball programs. And especially in the case of Autry, it's a basketball approach that we have no idea what we're getting at, especially given the slate of games that Syracuse has ahead with that Georgetown game. It's going to be hard to get a read of how good Syracuse actually is, especially since most people are going to expect Syracuse to get absolutely shellacked in the Maui tournament. And in Georgetown's case, I'm not sure what mid-November tournament they're participating in, if any. But they are um, – it's more so of also with Cooley. Like, you know what you're getting from him at, based on what he did at Providence, which was, you know, pretty good. So you know what style of basketball you're going to get from him. It's just the case of, you know, is the talent going to be there, especially after you know, all the, the main guys like Primo Spears left from Georgetown and, and how that team gels now. Yeah, they actually are going it's, – it's actually really interesting for them. They're um, playing in the Gavit tip-off games, in uh, which is a preseason tournament among Northeast schools. They're going to be playing Rutgers. Um, they don't have – there's something called Georgetown MTE on their schedule where they're going to be playing Mount St. Mary's and American back-to-back days um, in early November. And then they've got games against Jackson state and Merrimack scheduled. So it doesn't look like they're participating yet in a big Thanksgiving week tournament. Um, but they will be rolling. Syracuse will be rolling into the Georgetown game, um, uh, with a game against Cornell. Uh, meanwhile, Georgetown will be playing in the big East big 12 challenge and they've got TCU and, uh, our old friend, Jamie, Jamie Dixon. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure that game will be, you know, watching s- bricks and stones being thrown about. Um, but <laughs> it'll it'll be def- it'll be a good defense trying to stop a what can be described as an offense. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I think for me the biggest thing aside from like getting this game on the calendar because fans like this game and it gives me an excuse to go down to Washington DC in December, which I absolutely love um, is that looking at the schedule right now, um, Syracuse has its two exhibition games, um, but the rest of the, of the non-conference is you, uh, I would call it three gimme games in New Hampshire, Canisius and Niagara. And then you've got, the what Cornell game on whatever on Colgate's become also, and then Colgate on November fourteenth. Those <laughs> are two games that I think are like obvious traps. Um, the Georgetown game is an additional. I, I would I would actually put Georgetown in the same category as the Oregon game on December seventeenth. Oregon is a program that is a bit lost right now, um, and I think that those are games that Syracuse if they are what we think they are should be favored in those two matchups, but that'll be a good game where the team probably has to play locked in basketball and mistake free basketball in order to actually, you know, meet those expectations. And I think those games are good because like, as you mentioned, um, the uh, they've got LSU in the ACC SEC challenge, which is at home, thankfully. Um, and then they've got the three Maui games, which we don't know the matchups for that yet. 
but there's a non-zero chance that Syracuse is playing three teams that made it into last year's Elite Eight, and yeah. that is just terrifying. <laughs> and if we go off what the ACC schedule has usually been over the past couple of years, in between that LSU and Georgetown game, you probably expect an ACC game in between there as well. So it just becomes... I forgot, I forgot about that, yeah. So it just becomes an absolute firing line of Maui, then LSU, then ACC game, and then Georgetown, Oregon. And depending on what that, where that ACC game is, if, that, if it's at home, great. It's probably going to be on the road because ACC is probably going to schedule them on the road after being at home for LSU, which means you're going to have three road tests, one being a neutral site, but in South Dakota, but essentially three road tests against teams that theoretically, as long as Syracuse doesn't get as a 50-50, really as a realistic 50-50 shot of getting matched up against a team that they should beat in that first ACC game, if they got a very favorable matchup, you've got three games after Maui where you should be able to get some sort of a resume booster early on in December, and that's where wins become really, really crucial. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that's really obvious about this year's ACC is that the conference is not going to be good. Um, <laughs> um, the um, that's a, that's literally be... a pace and repeat of the last three years of the ACC. Right, but I think the last three years, it was pretty obvious, like, which teams were going to fit in which, like, there are the there are the, there's the top, then there's the tournament qualifying teams, and then there's the bad teams. And I think it was always really obvious the last few years, like which teams were going to fit in each bucket. But like with you know obviously the the disappointment teams and the surprise teams in and throughout. I think this year, it's obvious w- which teams are going to be really good at the top of the ACC. Um, you're looking at Duke. You're looking at UNC. Looking maybe, maybe. yeah. Are we saying we're saying Virginia? I was gonna say maybe Virginia, just because of like the coaching pedigree. Mm-hmm. But like that's it. And then I think this is where it's different because I think literally the entire rest of the conference has pieces in place to do something, excluding Wake Forest, Georgia Tech. Like I think those are. <laughs> Really, the only uh, two programs. Notre Dame also is not looking great after uh, Mike Bray's retirement. Yes, so I think outside, like pretty much. So we just listed three schools at the top, but really two schools, and then three schools at the bottom. And I'm willing to give Georgia Tech a pass because, like, they're for whatever reason squirrely when it comes to conference play. And then everybody else is going to fit somewhere in the, like, are they a tournament team? Are they a bad team? Or are they going to rise up and be the level that, um, you know, Duke and UNC are at? And I think the tricky part for Syracuse is, like, when we're talking about these early season games, the ACC doesn't put UNC Duke that early. Uh, it will do a Syracuse UVA that early, in order to have a more key game to get people to tune in mm-hmm. to the ACC network or ESPN's ACC game or whatever. Um, they'll go to those like B B list, like starring matchups. And to me, that's like the concerning part is that I want 
all of those games against UNC, Duke, Virginia, whoever ends up being the top half of the ACC. I want those in the back half of the schedule because the Maui tournament, I am, I am legitimately cons- – like, I think we've seen this in the past. These tough stretches of non-conference games don't necessarily break Syracuse. They do break Syracuse when they immediately roll into an ACC tough slate. Like, if we're going to get battered in Maui, which is what I think will happen, I want to have some games in between there for the team to, like, figure it out and get back and get some momentum back and figure out what the winning strategy is going to be. Um, But, obviously, the ACC schedule is not out yet. I don't think we know when the ACC basketball schedule is coming out. Um, So, we are going to have to wait and see. And here's the the tricky thing is, also, I lost my train of thought, but like, yeah, the, the tricky thing is that you're, Syracuse, like you said, is probably going to have to face up against one of those big, big, big teams. Also, somewhere in the corner, Boston College is pumping its fists like, yes, we made it out of the bottom five. Thank God. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about BC. Yeah, we could throw BC in there, too. But actually, you know, Quentin Post isn't, you know, bad, but, you know, who the rest of BC is. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That be- <laughs> good, good on BC for being a forgotten team in the ACC. But um, so, like, Syracuse isn't going to get a BC. It might luck out and get a Wake Forest because, you know, that for some reason has been a, you know, prime matchup the ACC likes to advertise. Uh, but, like, honestly, here, here's what I could see them doing and this would be fun in weird ways syracuse clemson because remember who's on clemson now joe gerard is going to go off on clemson or go off on syracuse isn't he yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i don't like that how many people are how many people are gonna how many people want to have a the chris paul meme ready or when Joe hits a three late in the game. So many people are going to want to have that meme ready. You know what that meme is. I don't like... <laughs> yes, I do, and I don't okay. like this. But it, no, it's 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 going to happen. Um, and I don't like it. I don't like any of this. But you're right. I think a Clemson... But a Clemson would be a, would be a great game. Would be a... If yeah. I am the ACC, yes. There that's we what go. Get, that's that what's is- going to get people to tune in in the first week of December. That's what's going to get students to stop studying for finals. Watching Joe Girard in orange come to the Carrier Dome. Oh man, you're just, you're just you. No, you've I got mean Clemson's, the... Clemson's going to wear platinum jerseys like they did a couple of years ago. Ugh. Well, we do know that platinum in platinum in the dome doesn't work, so that actually does bode well for us. <laughs> Except that one time against Virginia Tech football. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I, that was a great win, but like, man, those jerseys are forgettable. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking it's... of platinum jerseys, <laughs> uh, the men's soccer team, which sometimes wears a platinum jersey for reasons that I don't like. Um, actually, I think it's the women's soccer team that wears a platinum jersey, yeah, but we're going to use it to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk, we about, talk the about the women anyway. also. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say the, the men's soccer schedule came out. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because the schedule is always a little bit wonky for men's soccer. Um, mostly just because again, 
it is a single season sport, even though there is a desire to make it a multi-season sport. Um, but the defending national champions never gets old. Uh, the defending national champions are looking uh, at a relatively home loaded schedule. Um, they're only going to go on the road to play their ACC foes and Cornell on my birthday, which can't wait for that nervous fest and to play Penn state. Um, the rest of their schedule is at uh, the Syracuse soccer field and they will be welcoming Providence, Binghamton, Albany, Siena, um, Colgate and Temple and Yale. Um, lots of teams in there. And their ACC slate is on the road. Like the big, the biggest things is that they have to go on the road to play North Carolina, Duke and Wake Forest. Uh, none of those games are at home. They do get Pitt at home. They get Clemson at home. Um, they get Louisville at home, but that ro- that road ACC slate is not fun. Um, getting, getting but Pitt, getting Pitt, Clemson, and NC State at home is pretty big. It is. It's just that like the road games against like getting a result. The, at, the road games against the other three Carolina teams are tough. Yeah, it's getting a result in any of those three games is going to be very difficult. Um, which, as a reminder, I think last year all three of those games were at home, were they not? I believe so. I don't actually think. I don't think they played. I don't remember if they played Duke or not, but I don't think they played UNC until the tournament, which was the, uh, which was which of course was at the uh, soccer stadium because of seating. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think that the yeah, I'm looking at the 2022 schedule right now just to confirm our hypotheses here um yes so last year they did play penn state at the su soccer stadium so they're making that return trip as part of a home and home um yeah they did not play they played wake forest at the soccer stadium they won that game two nil in a big turning point for the season um and yeah they didn't play they played unc only in the postseason um so and they did not play duke at all so that is that is tough. Yeah. And again, Cornell, they're going on the road and playing who gave them a hell of a time in the in NCAA the tournament. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I I like the schedule. I, I think it's definitely um a good schedule to go and you're there's lots of opportunities to watch them play. Um, but this title defense is definitely like just it's just a reminder if you are in the ACC um, in any sport that is not men's football or men's basketball, every single one of the Carolina schools is going to be good, good. and be very difficult, <laughs> especially the ones on Tobacco Road. Yeah, it is. It's just so <laughs> annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, cool. Uh, so this is the part of the show where I'm pretty sure there has been no actual other news happening. Yeah. There, I do want to quickly mention one thing while we're on the soccer train. FIFA Women's World yeah. Cup is on right now, and if you're looking for a team to root for other than the United States, uh, go cheer on Ireland, who uh, because yes. Syracuse. Syracuse, former Syracuse starting keeper Courtney Brosnan, is the starter for, is the starting keeper for Ireland. 
um, only let up uh, a penalty in the uh, in their first game. So, but from all things considered, it looked like she had a pretty good game. And her first game was against Australia, right? I believe. Yes, and it was Australia. They the they lost to the co-hosts in the opening game. Um, yes, in the penalty and. Uh, ironically enough, they will be taking on Canada um, a to well Wednesday at eight a.m. Um, and on the Canadian women's team is another former uh, nice. Syracuse mm-hmm. uh, keeper. Uh, I do not know how to say her her yeah. name because it's aggressively Pro- French. Yeah, Lizzie Ampro Prolu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. What what Christian just said. Um, <laughs> I is I, I did not we, take we get enough Canadians in Syracuse that like it, it should be like a requirement for Syracuse to like teach some French. Yeah, you even gotta, though you every new, every little... even though every Newhouse kid like us would protest the hell out of it. Yeah, but you got to do a little bit of Quebecois in order to uh, in order to make that work. Oh God. Um. Yeah. So good good things happening in the Syracuse land. This is a short show mostly just because uh yeah, we are kind of bereft of news at the moment. Um but one thing that I did realize that we probably should have mentioned is when is Bayheim's Army's first game? Um because it's that is it is tomorrow, Christian. What time and uh you can watch on ESPN, uh but what yep. time is the game at? I believe it's 7 p.m. And it's against Team Gibson. Love that. There we go. So tomorrow at 7 on ESPN, watch the game. If they win, yay. If they lose, um, I don't think we'll have a whole lot to talk about other than so sad. Kind of knew that this is going to be a weird year. But hey, let's see what happens. And obviously we'll we'll get more and longer longer podcast as... Uh, the fall ball season reaches um, and slowly, slowly comes. Um, if you missed most of our football preview, we did in our like quote unquote return podcast last week uh, with Steve as well, where we talked about all the trials and tribulations of what actually happened <clears throat> with Syracuse football this past off season, because it was a lot for those living under a rock. Yeah. And I think also as we get closer to camp, the biggest thing that will happen is we'll find out about injury news that obviously is, Kept under wraps, but will be less under wraps when uh, reporters are allowed with? for the first 10 minutes. Oh, baseball. Okay. Always, <laughs> I always have something. Yeah, yeah. And I almost dropped it. Um, but yeah, that'll be that'll be fall ball. Um, so yeah, I guess the, I think the run of show will be next week. Christian and Steve will talk. I will not be around because I will be at my brother's uh, bachelor party uh, on a plane returning. So <laughs> I will <laughs> not be here next week to talk about whatever happens with Bayheim's Army. Uh, but hopefully we're talking about multiple games and not just one because something would be nice. Yeah. Because it's other than the whole football debacle, it's actually been a relatively quiet off season compared to the other off seasons that we've had. Christian, you just jinxed it. You just jinxed it. (laughs) And I'm waiting for a tweet from Mike Waters. Three, two, one. Yeah, kidding, kidding, kidding. Actually, kidding. That, that brings up something we could talk about to close off this. Um, I have to go back on our Slack uh, because John Wildhack did have a, uh, a a press conference, I believe, earlier this week on Tuesday. And there he did. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason why we didn't talk about it is as our 
I don't want to out the people that were talk I talking about it in the Slack because I think that there were some things that we were all kind of saying like in a way that we definitely would not love. Uh, like it's more opinion, but uh, yeah, Wild Hack is in a position where I don't think we trust fifty percent of what comes out of his mouth anymore. I am I am comfortable enough to to say that on the record that I I firmly do not trust him. Um, in whenever he's in front of a microphone, because at this point, I think it's really obvious that he is, uh, even if he doesn't outright lie, he's not giving you an answer other than the answer that he wants to, he wants the fans to have, even if we all know it's bullshit. Case in point, why did Carrier get taken off of the dome labeling years before the contract expired? no rhyme or reason is like, come on, dude, if you're going to lie, lie better. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, so like one, one of the things that he said about like, look, Allen, I'm pleased that there's a resolution. It's all about moving ahead and moving ahead and moving forward. Please said everyone with everyone that there's a resolution and we're moving forward, which was just two lines of saying, yay, it, it happened. Let's move on. Instead of like, anything else other concrete about it yeah and i think that that's is, i think this is the point of the liquid allen situation and we talked about it again go the episode that that christian mentioned we knew that whenever the resolution came forward we probably won't know the full story until years from now when allen is no longer associated with syracuse university um that's when we'll probably get the full story because it seems as if wild hack is uh more than happy to just refuse to answer questions, which again, credit to Mike Waters for really trying to do all he can to get wild hack to say something else. But when a guy doesn't want to answer a question and he's just going to respond with a, what is essentially I plead my fifth amendment rights. There's, there's only so much you can do. Indeed. Uh, on that note, we did definitely did not plead our Fifth Amendment rights, but we are the Disloyal Idiots Podcast, the Fans First Nation podcast. Uh, we appreciate the support as always. Make sure to tune in next week as we break down all the TBT action. Well, I, we being Christian and Steve, I will be on a plane. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. It helps us trick the AI into expanding the Ottoman Empire. Uh, thank you to those who are watching this on Twitch. We really do appreciate the support. We do this most nights, Sunday night, timing to TBD, but we tweet it <laughs> out. So again, follow us on Twitter, X, whatever it may be. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. We got all the socials. Um, and we will continue to update you as we get closer and closer to that magical date that is fall sports kickoff in August. Uh, for Steve, who is not here, for Christian, for myself, for all of us here at the Disloyal Idiots, uh, thank you so much, and go Orange. Go Orange.